Fab Four Free For All. Oh, do it again. Fab Four Free For All. What was that? Fab Four Free For All. And welcome to another exciting and stimulating because we've been singular. Rob likes it. I, uh, you know, I'll let it go. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Edition of the Fab Four Free For All, a weekly all-talk Beatles-related podcast, radio show on the internet, whatever you want to call it. We hope you just listen. But we are here today, and I am your moderator, Mitch Axelrod, and joining me, as always, are my pals... Rob Leonard. Oh, see, oh, I, I, usually you go, and? Oh, but you and? Tony Chiguardo. Okay, good. I have to prompt. I, I was worried that he wasn't your friend anymore. Well, I, me too. <laughs> I, I thought, well, I'm, I'm not your, your pal, but I'll say Tony. <laughs> I'm your friend. Stop it. No, you're not my friend now. I'm your friend. Anyway, thank you. You're welcome. Friend. Chucky Margolis, the old Hudson oh, Brothers show. Oh, yeah, check that reference out. <laughs> Chucky Markle. Anyway. The kid under the stairs. Today we are going to be talking about something that we haven't touched on yet. We've done, you know, in our old forum, forum, and this form as the free-for-all, we haven't touched on really Apple records yet. We've said a lot of things about Apple, good and bad, but we've never really talked about the history. And a DVD of interest has just been released. I say of interest because a lot of rumors are going around about it, but we want to talk about Apple... As a whole, it's not going to be the be-all, end-all show because just like the bootleg show we recently did, it's going to touch on Apple. We're probably going to miss a lot. We could do five shows on Apple and maybe more. And maybe we will. And maybe, well, we should, definitely. But We can call this one the skin of the Apple. (laughs) Oh, this is definitely not Apple to the core. Not Apple to the core. That would be our last show on Apple. (laughs) Um, Anyway, we could call it Rotten Apple, and that would be all of them, (laughs) the series. But we are going to talk about Apple Records uh, the, the DVD that I am referring to is called Strange Fruit, the Beatles, Apple Records, and it is actually put out by Sexy Intellectual um, and distributed. <laughs> well, it's a Sexy Intellectual that had the courage to do oh, this. okay. Um, and it's being distributed um, in the States. Forgive me, but it's, it's seaofsound.com, and that's S-E-E of sound.com. So uh, go look up this DVD. And the reason we mention this DVD is because this DVD itself has a lot of music and video in it that we didn't think it would have in it. So we are going to reference it throughout this show about Apple. Yeah. All right. So right. We're you don't essentially have to have it this. as our starting We're point. using it as our starting point. Right. And it is a good reference point. Absolutely. Um, and, Absolutely. And this DVD itself is almost three hours long, uh, about as long as Apple lasted. Yeah, right. But... You really need to get it, I, I think, and we'll tell you why during this hour or so of the free-for-all. So let's start with a little bit of uh, Apple business, mm-hmm. how Apple came to be. I'll, I'll start, and then I'll throw it out to you guys with the first project. How's that? Sounds good. All right. Okay. Beatles are making gobs of money in the 60s, late 60s. Brian Epstein is their manager. And I said Epstein, people, haha. And <laughs> they just don't know what to do with Epstein? the money. Thank you. You say Epstein, tomato, tomato. <laughs> Brian so the, Tomato? Brian Tomato. Yeah, you didn't know that? Yeah, anyway. <laughs> Epi Brian Stone. A tomato is a fruit. Right? Epi Brian Stone. <laughs> <That's very laughs> Thank you. That's on the Flintstones. Thank you. So anyway, the Beatles are making gobs of money, and the tax man, as George Harrison wrote, is taking it all. So they f- had to figure out how to, how to not pay the tax man so much. So they decided 
let's, or they were told, uh, you need a tax advantage. And they said, okay, what's that? And they said, you really need to invest in a company. So they decided to do it on their own. They decided to make a company, essentially, that, as you all probably know, was going to be an artist-friendly company with music publishing, and not actually not music publishing in the beginning. They really right. thought it was just going to be... Focused more on uh, fashion. On fashion. Electronics. And record shops yeah. uh, was their early focus. And, and manufacturing, as John said in the, in the press conference. Which, and I love that, too, if you watch the press conference. It's sort of like, yeah, and, you know, and manufacturing, whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it sort of looked a, a little... Well, manufacturing would be the actual... It will say manufactured by Columbia Records. What, and what it means is, is that the record has to be made by someone, and it's made by the same company that owns the record company. There right. you go. And it's in-house, right. and it's, it, what they do is the record company will get charged by the manufacturer to make a record or something, and then they charge it back to the artist. Meanwhile, right. they're paying from w the left pocket into the right pocket. And, and that's a way to make more money, actually, if you oh, think yeah, about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was thinking it might have been part of the whole um, like Alex Margeris Idea well, we too, because they, idea. they were talking wow. about electronics, and I was so happy that his name doesn't come up anywhere in the documentary. It does not come up anywhere. I'm so happy that that clown gets absolutely no recognition. Magic Alex is Magic referred to, Alex. and well, Magic Alex because he, he made tends money to disappear. sometimes threaten people with lawsuits. If he's uh, does he defamed, really? if he's, he's threatened a couple of times. Not that we've ever seen him, but he has threatened because, first of all, no one knows he's alive. I mean, I didn't know he's alive until a couple of years ago. Second of all, we all know what he did or didn't we do didn't through do. what John said. And George. Too. And George. So they're both dead, so they can't be sued. And obviously, Magic Alex wasn't uh, going to sue him while he was alive. But if other people are quoting John and George, but it really wasn't true or something, or they're missing a fact or something. Well, Magic Alex made money disappear. That was about all. There you go. Right. Yeah, yeah that's, that's always a good thing to do, too. Now, anyway. But anyway, this company, uh, and I'm not going to get into all the ramifications of interest rates and stuff, but supposedly this company was going to, it would be taxed at a lower interest rate than them as a corporation, just as the Beatles and such. So anyway, they have this company. They're thinking about it when Brian's alive for, as we said, an artist-friendly company with the fashion boutiques and electronics and manufacturing. And then Brian dies, and there's nobody there to make any arrangements whatsoever. And then the Beatles look back and they say, you know what? Well, mostly Paul at that point, and said, hey, you know, maybe we weren't managed as well as we should have been, and these four guys think they can do it themselves. And the first project they get into for Apple as a film company it's Magical Mystery Tour, and I think we could take it from there. Well, also the cover for Pepper, it says little little thing Apple. You yes, know, so it, it does. But which again, which was a success. So they probably said, "Well, look, our cover came out okay. Let's make a movie." But as much as <laughs> the they still were, photo was so good, let's make a moving one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I yeah, would love to have you know, Yoko at that point. Together, look. <laughs> Yoko at that point, just take the actual cover of Pepper and walking it past a movie screen <laughs> or a camera. <laughs> it's moving. No, but That's she wasn't in funny. the picture yet. But No pun intended. Yeah, well, thank you. But uh, for all intents and purposes, the first project for Apple was really Magical Mystery Tour. And we all know it was a flop. Uh, well, so you let's know, take it from what, there. Or it was ahead of its time, either way you look at uh, it. At the time, though? At it was a flop ahead looked, of its time. In, in yeah. retrospect, maybe. And I think in retrospect, we're also, we've done full shows. We haven't done the movie yet. We did no. the, yeah. the Good, Bad, and the Ugly of 67 in our former lives. But I think, let's not get into the whole movie about why it was a flop. 
just that it was the idea of doing something without any kind of guidance, except for Paul. The one thing that comes up that I'm just going to back it up a little bit, talking about the Beatles and like getting involved for something as a tax shelter, is that I find it interesting because I feel like Paul at this point, I thought, was really trying to look out for the other three. Yes. I... Always, though. I, th- I always thought I think he had so too. I don't think he ever had just his own interests in mind. No, because the reason why I say that is because I think he was aware of the fact that John was not particularly business savvy, I don't think, in any way. I think George would have been. I think if Paul had decided to just counsel George and say, hey, you know, George, you really should take seriously what's being said around here, you know, I think George would have done something on his own. I don't know why. I think maybe he would have gotten involved. Then again, George was the first one to write about it, you know, the tax Tax man. man, Yeah, that's why. So I think George might have done something. But, you know, Paul could have just sunk his interests into the Indica Gallery. Paul had a lot of avenues that were already open to him at that point that Paul could have just said, hey, you know what? You know, to heck with these these other noodles. Whatever they're going to do, I, I I can watch out for my own money. I'm he only fine. did that when he got a sense of breaking apart of the four. Yeah, when he when he did his own Lee Eastman music publishing, but I, they were still very much. I mean, they just released the biggest album of all time at that point. Right, right. You know, not Magical Mystery Tour, Pepper. Right. And although you could have invested in like the Indica Gallery and all that, I I think. He really was still a part of the Beatles. Oh, absolutely. And no one was going yeah, to, if he oh, would have done something separate, I think it would have really put a strain on the relationship. I guess, but no one know, else was looking at Well, I think that. if he did, he would try to bring the other guys along and say, hey, why don't you guys come along? Maybe. Yeah, I think what, what Paul did, and it wasn't exactly at this time, it's about a year later, he started to buy more shares of Northern songs. Yeah, and that's that's what and then well, when, that upset and that, that upset, upset John. And, and but when you think about it, it was the smart thing to do. It's the smart thing to do. You're yeah. buying shares of yourself. And apparently, he. I think John was angry later, that he didn't think about well, it. Well, but apparently, different accounts go back and forth saying that John was told to do that, and that John didn't either didn't understand how to do it or was just too. I just want to say, it, it, it's, it's interesting, and it's a, it's a side it, project which we can get into one day. Well, that's a unique Northern idea. songs. Oh, you know, it, it was a horrible deal for John and Paul. That's another ten show yeah. story that, yeah. that it connects to the Apple thing. Yeah, it, but does. it does. Anyway, but it does. But, but Mystery but, Tour, yeah, Mystery Tour was just uh, well. Mystery Tour was also an attempt. It was a good start. It was, it was and, and they wanted to make Apple a, a big entertainment company with that, with the film, and it just. Yeah. Uh, look, for whatever reason, it bombed. They had no direction. They weren't businessmen, which is why I don't think maybe George was the last Beatle to have involvement with Apple, with Apple Records. Yeah. So he was savvy about what he needed to do, but I don't know if he was savvy as a business person or if he was savvy as a musician. A creative person. Right, a creative yeah. person who yeah. just wanted to keep making music. I don't know. I think about my old choir director who used to tell us, if you make a mistake, make it loud. <laughs> Seriously, because then you know what the mistake was. If you make right. a mistake, make it bold, make it loud, and make it early. That well, way we well, they fix did. it. And that's what they did with Magical Mystery Tour. They made a mistake, but they made it like bold, Listen, loud, and why. you know. And, and I think but, if Magical Mystery Tour had happened and Brian Epstein was still alive, he would have came in and said to the guys, hey, we got to fix this. 
maybe we should cancel the fact it's airing on Boxing Day in Great Britain. A well, I very don't think that was their mo- decision. No, but they could. He could have went to the BBC and said, "Hey, we're hold not, off a month." Well, off. didn't they? Did they, well? I mean, this is again. I think we're getting off topic yeah. a little bit. Right. But I, I wonder if the BBC consciously buried it because of having pre-screened it. They might have realized just how bad it was, or well, they thought it was. I won't. It's I won't, a different. I, I like it. I, if you, you think know, about 1967, like. and all of a sudden you see this really different type of entertainment from you know the most popular band in the world, who two years earlier just had help which was a fun movie, and right. Our Day's Night, which was a great movie. Um, and then you see this, and it's just really out there. <laughs> you think about well, it. that's it. And I well, think that was the misstep. And early on... Magical misstep tour. Thank you. Sorry. But yeah. Apple, at okay. that point, really needed help. No mm-hmm. pun intended. All right? So they start this company, and actually, skipping a little further, April of 68 was the first Apple ad to say, this man has talent, and we want you to come. Look, you know, just send us your tapes, your everything. I mean, it was an all-inclusive ad. I just can't help but think of the Ruddles that, you know. Oh, me too. If you want money, we'll give it to you. We'll give it to you. You know, I mean, it it was just. But, you know, the thing about that ad, I was thinking about this before. A&M Records started by Herb Albert and Jerry Moss. It's not just Herb Albert's records by the time 1968 comes about. And I'm sure they didn't put a giant ad in the newspaper saying, send us your tapes. They, they start out very quietly. But at the same That's time. That's what only makes sense. I mean, you've but, got eight gazillion musicians right. whose talent levels range from zero to 60. Right. And you, what are you going to do? Solicit, please send every thought or idea that right. you, I mean. Well, not only they, music, they, you know, poems, well, literature, everything. Well, they were apparently getting sheets of paper that just had written on it, you know, I want to make a movie about a dog that dies and goes to heaven. <laughs> you know, like on a sheet of paper and, and right. you know, signed Frank, can you call me? I'd like a million pounds to start. And this is like, you know, this is how you make a proposal, you know? They're not businessmen. And, and let's face it, they were stoned. You know, it was but, a hippy-dippy cool. But, but also... And, and I'm not saying there's no, I, wrong no, with no, that, I know. it was like, a, it was a utopian, you but know, the I world they throw side around. I think the other side point was that technically they didn't own their own recordings. They've still signed to EMI and Capital. For a while. They were going to benefit as publishers. Right, they were going to benefit yeah, as, as, you publishers. know, putting out the record or whatever. Yeah, if they got lucky and had the publishing, that's Apple that's, Publishing. But in April 68, not only does the ad come out, a month later, what happens? John and Paul come to New York to do a worldwide press conference to tell the world, we want your stuff. So as if the ad wasn't enough, now they actually are on TV telling crazy telling Americans, crazy Americans we also want your stuff. And we Don't. evidently obliged. <laughs> and just thank goodness we found one good American there. I was there. three and I sent them something. Did I you? Just, yeah, no, I didn't really. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, I feel Oh, Look what I just made. You sent them a diaper. Crayons. Yay. I make pretty pictures. I make pretty pictures. <laughs> so, my so, first book came out on Apple in 1968. <laughs> I, was, I was three. You thought Mitch was the only author here. And well, <laughs> I resemble that remark. So you know what? And, and I wasn't really thinking about it this way. But then I saw it in the film. And the film, I have to tell you, is not just a propaganda. There's no be-all, tell-all. It's not. It's a really no. good documentary yes. of the period. Yeah. It really is. I mean, there's been rumors about a cease and desist on this. And Apple itself should not really do that because it's a really good promotional. They should have packaged it with the come and get it CD, to be honest with you. Yes, they, should. they should have made yeah. a deal because this thing is not 
a scandalous, defaming, no. libelous. It's a really and, good and documentary also, account of and, the period. But And I don't know if you guys, but I also didn't find it to be any kind of a whitewash. Not at all. I didn't watch it and then walk I away just, just wish going, there were oh, more crap. You know, they rely too heavily on, quote, Beatle experts like us, even though we're not in it, uh, instead of <laughs> real People, I mean, they do have some of the artists, but I well, really would have loved to see Peter Asher. But, but well, yes, Peter Asher was the one, one glaring, glaring omission. omission. Yeah, yeah, uh, because truthfully, everyone else is is but dead. He's also, well, if they could have gotten Mary Hopkin, yeah. that would have been awesome. But yeah. he's also f- still part of the inner circle. He's not, and he's not he going is. to upset the apple cart. No pun intended. Yeah, but again, though, you know what the problem is? It's that it's that really odd balance. If they had been able to do a rough cut of what they'd done so far and then shown it to Peter Asher and said, look, you see, we're not doing anything bad. Right. The problem is, by that point, the movie's pretty much done. Right. Then you and you, you don't need Peter Asher, really, right. at that point. Yeah, but you it, know, it does legitimize it a lot more. It, it does. does. And yeah. I would love to have seen Peter Asher as an extra. Maybe they could have done that. Finished it. Yeah. Shown it to Peter and said, you know, have a look at this and just... See where we went, and, and, and Peter maybe has as said, a bonus interview. Or exactly, something, something had like it that. as an add-on interview. So but anyway, John, John and Peter might be saving it for his own thing. Maybe true too. Good point. Yeah. Didn't even think of that. Duh. So it could be A and R, Apple and Records. <laughs> there you go. Sorry, mm. I like uh, it. So yeah. anyway, John now is very interested when he comes with Paul to the states, and and it's very odd that the four Beatles didn't come over here to talk about it. Which, in retrospect, but whatever. Because George and Ringo were involved, George very heavily, and Ringo later on was involved. So I just thought it was odd that as a cohesive unit, they didn't do it. But mm. Well, it allows them not to have to answer, hey, you guys getting back together? Well, they were still together. It was only well, I'm sorry. What, are you guys touring again? Yeah, you guys oh, touring okay. again? Yeah, but Ooh, you know what? They could have just said, look, we're not here to talk about that. John always deflected well. But he could have said something about God. You I know? was just about to say. <laughs> oh, no, but, he did but, it again. But then you'd have four people on with Joe Garagiola on The Tonight Show. So. Well, yeah. They, and the footage could have been lost but the four of them instead <laughs> of just the two of them. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> could have been lost twice as much. <laughs> anyway, Sorry. so John's very interested at this point, and they uh, named their road manager, Neil Aspinall, the managing director, which – he was a road manager. He drove people around. He had no business sense whatsoever. But he was an accountant. Yes, he, well, he was I a junior accountant. I studied to be an accountant. Yeah, a junior accountant. But, you know, now he's thrown into the fire as the main man in a new company. So I'm not saying it was a bad thing, but, you know, it ended up being a pretty good thing over the years because he stayed until, really, until he retired in 2007 and then passed away in 2008. Right. So, I mean, he really was a long-time Apple person. And- you know, for better or worse. A protector of the... Definitely protector of the legacy. The legacy, the brand, and everything. Right. So Almost overprotective. We're not knocking Neil Aspinall in any way. No. But as a business decision, it was a road manager becoming the head of something. They also hired a friend of all of them, but more George, Terry Doran, to be the music publishing uh, head. So he right. ran that. But right after that, what happens? Paul is left on his own and George and Ringo because John meets Yoko. And really becomes disinterested in Apple until he moves to New York City. So, mm-hmm. and then starts helping with the repertoire of, of people. And then by that time, it was almost gone. But Well, you know, David Peel needed an album. One thing you learn about David Peel, for everything we talk about David Peel, and he's an incoherent person, and, and he is for the I most part. I saw him a couple of years ago at uh, the Ringo show at the Irving Plaza. Oh, he stepped on your foot too? <laughs> he was going to the bathroom and I was yeah. going to the bar. Yeah. He was talking to some people. He was just you know, loving it all. And then he pulled out one of his uh, copy of his CD, the Pope's Soul. He gave it to someone. Yeah, like, but, can you give me one? I didn't realize that he had 
a couple of albums. Electra. Yeah, but I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. Most people don't. Most people think well, he was a, lot of people, a guy on the corner that John said, I like him, and then just went a, on. And, a lot of people, myself included, went through a period of time where until I started actually looking at dates, I always thought that the Apple album predated the two Electra records. And then I went and one day just looked and I went, wait a minute, what? And then I looked him up online and realized that he... And truthfully, I've got to say, honestly, I think the Apple record is the weakest of the three. As an album, I thought, for a lot of reasons. I thought his first album, Have a Marijuana, was actually a lot more interesting. Interesting, but not good. Uh, No, it's fun. Yeah, it's silly. Vincent Vigil has been an ardent collector of Beatles and Beatle-related photography since 1988 when he first purchased two Linda McCartney photographs. Join Mitch Axelrod for an exclusive interview with Vincent Vigil, the gentleman who created the I Saw the Photograph exhibit, that can only be heard on our website at fab4freeforall.com. That's F-A-B, the number four, free, the number four, all.com. You'll also find out information about how you can obtain your own copies of some of these great Beatle images. That's exclusively on the Fab Four Free For All website. So let's talk about some of the artists that they decide to... I want to just say right now that for better or for worse, Apple Records, everybody always says, wow, the the ratio of hits to produce, it's a lot of hits if you think about it for a small label for a small amount of time give it its due. Especially because it didn't have the volume of releases that no, a major label But they label did have quirky. Have. But we, we should say that in 1968, when everyone was thinking about joining Apple, Crosby, Stills, and Nash almost signed to them. Yeah. They seriously thought about signing with Apple. And something happened where it changed and they ended up with Atlantic probably because... Um, it says it actually in Ahmed the movie. Erdogan comes in. No, in the movie, actually, it says that the Beatles made a little pact that one of the Beatles had to give their stamp of approval. But later on, when the Beatles were on holiday, doing their own stuff, nobody could be found when people like Grace Slick, yes, no, David that, The Bowie. Grace Slick thing I question, I have no idea what that meant. Okay. They made reference to that, and I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going to that. politely dispute okay. that. That's fine. They were signed to RCA. But we know... They were signed to RCA, and Gracie, as a solo artist, the only thing I can think of is, you know what? I'm going to maybe rescind that because by the time you got to 7071, you know what? They may have been offered something like manhole. They may okay. have been offered Grace's soul. So I'm going to I'm going to rescind yeah, you don't that, know, but giving you, it thought. Okay. But CSN, Grace Slick, yes, David Bowie, and even Fleetwood Mac, the early version of Fleetwood Mac. Peter Green. Uh, sli- yeah, Ple- Peter Green. Yeah. The great Peter Green. They slipped through Apple's yeah. fingers well, because they couldn't find a well, Beatle you, to say, well, you know okay, what it was? It which is you ridiculous. Know, as great as the work was, all it takes is the George gets a memo, uh, David Crosby, Graham Nash, Stephen Stills, and Neil Young came by, have yeah. a new group, want to be no, on no, the... No, oh, no, Neil no. yet. Right, right, right. You know, David Crosby, uh, the, the frozen noses, as they were being called, came by, <laughs> want to be on label, and George went, oh, great, well, I'm going to, I guess Paul right. will handle that. Right, and no and one... And then Paul goes, oh, oh, yeah, they stopped by. Uh, I think Graham knows George, oh, they'll right. work it and out. and no one. Know? And then the four of them pass the buck, and then they come back and go, oh, we didn't get them, did we? You know, it's one of those really bad, nothing like four business partners who can't communicate. 
It's one thing to say, well, we don't have to all approve it. It's another thing to just not contact the other one just to say, well, again, oh, hey, did you pick up on that? Right. Okay, cool. We're, we're going to say this many times in the show. The Beatles were not businessmen. They no. were great creative artists. No. Creativity yeah. is unparalleled and unquestioned. But as far as business people, at that point, Brian Epstein, before he passed, had been trying to find Jackie Lomax, their first real signing, because mm -hmm. he, he, he knew Jackie Lomax was a lead singer in The Undertakers, and there's some great footage of The Undertakers. The Undertakers, oh my God. Oh my God. God, it's so cool in here. Where you did see that Jackie come Lomax, from? you know, in hats and Doing everything. Mashed potato. And it's a great, great yeah. clip. But Brian, to his credit, wanted Jackie to write, and he said, go see Terry Dorn, and you're going to, we can see what we can do. And Terry signed him as Apple Music Publishing, and later on, George said, you know, you're writing for us, but I think you can be a star, you know, in your own right and sing and, and yes. play. Yeah. And, you know, he really was the first one signed, so to speak. And then, of course... Brian dies. Brian yeah. dies. While but, he's working on all that material. Right. But yeah. now who's the other person that they get for the label? They get a 19-year-old Welsh singer that was recommended to Paul by Twiggy, right. Mary Hopkins. And she was on Opportunity Knocks. And if you think of... Right. Today's world, you think of uh, American, American Idol, Idol, and that's the same the exact thing, or, or the whatever. X Factor, and it's the same thing. She won on that, and it's like uh, Kelly Clarkson or Carrie Underwood. Carrie Underwood, yeah. that's who I'm thinking. And Clay Aiken. <laughs> Are you a Claymate? No, I'm not. I just wanted to say this. If Crosby, Stills, and Nash actually had signed to Apple, what would have happened? You know, I don't know. Because... Think about it. You look at all the other bands that had to either escape Apple or the label closes down and their careers fall apart. Crosby, Stills, Nash never, I'm going to speculate, but I think I'm going to speculate very accurately. We were talking about different bands and had they been signed or not signed or how history could have changed. Crosby, Stills, Nash would have suffered greatly under the umbrella of Apple for one very, very simple reason. Crosby, Stills, Nash were all exceptional live performers. Yeah. Exceptional. David was a great live performer. Graham had all those years under his belt as a member of the Hollies. Stephen was with Buffalo Springfield. None of the three of them were in, had been in a scenario where they'd said, oh, my God, we hate performing live. It just so happened that they had been through that period in the late 60s where everyone was experimenting in the studio, doing neat things. Stephen was obsessive with studio work. But where Crosby, Stills, Nash would have wilted and died under the Apple umbrella was that no one was going to support their live experience. Well, which Ahmed Erdogan which very good. Ahmed, and, absolutely. And encouraged, Ahmed loved, supported. Loved the three. And then he's the one who said, hey, why are you bringing Neil Young? Why are you, you're friends with Neil, right? Yeah. But, I mean, they, they went <laughs> yeah. to Woodstock. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the thing is that just the mere fact that the one thing that y you don't stop to think about and that is, is made very clear in the documentary yes. is that Money was really not offered out for a performer to go out and do right. live shows. And, that, and that's going to handicap well, the so reason, many performers. And they do say it know. clearly here is because the Beatles had tired of touring. And out of everybody that they put in a position at Apple, including Peter Asher, who they made head of A&R, they were tired of it and nobody was able to be the Brian Epstein of the Apple repertoire in order to make a schedule for TV, mm -hmm. for touring, and it's very well put in this documentary. A lot of the bands suffered because of that. Badfinger, well, Jackie Lomax, lived. he said 
the one regret is that he said, I was a live player. I used to go out and sing live. And we'll talk about why his Sour Milk Sea never did well. But he said, I could have gone out, but they didn't have a band for me. They didn't have anything. And, mm-hmm. and I suffered because I wanted to play live. Well, now, you know, you make me think, too, because I guess the one band that did go out and play once they had, you know, a couple of albums out was Badfinger. I mean, Badfinger certainly got out and toured. Maybe because CSN were somewhat self-contained, you know, especially as an acoustic trio, maybe they would have gotten out more. But I still don't know if Apple was willing, especially once Klein got in. <laughs> I don't know whether or not Apple would have provided when it comes to the overhead money. Yes, right. Back then, App- the record Atlantic companies were expected to start a band up. They'd yeah. give them seed money. They'd put up money out for the tours and everything. So. And, I, you know, unless one of the Beatles, like, you know, you're constantly shown in this documentary until – one of the four well, got you under their wing. Right. If no one took you in of the four, and maybe that's why somebody had to approve it. Because well, I always thought some... that in '65 or '66, the Hollies covered if I needed someone. Yeah, and there was a slight, there and there was a slight George. between George and the band yeah. Yeah. about that. I'm not sure why, and I wonder if George ever got over it. It's only two years later. I mean, Graham know? is the sweetest, nicest man in the world, but that was a. There but was Graham's a one who made the comments. Yeah, Graham. Because he a was comment. actually hurt that. You know, why would George knock a cover of his own yes. song? Yeah. But, I mean, you know, the thing about Jackie Lomax, too, is that when he first came on, it was kind of just like, oh, you know, well, Jackie Lomax, they dug him up, you know, this kind of thing. He was like a former Undertaker. <laughs> ah, that was, wow. Oh, was, dug him up and he was wow. a former, wow, Rob is in rare form <laughs> wow. at 9 o'clock in the morning. That was good. Wow. Wow. Must I had have had his coffee. Wow. Um, <laughs> no, what I was, was, was going to say was that right away, you realize what a very articulate and very thoughtful guy Jackie Lomax is. His yes. perspective is fantastic in this in yes, this he does, documentary. He doesn't have a um, no. He really he doesn't, doesn't have, have like a vindictive. He's got no vendetta. He's got no agenda when you no, when you're talking he talks to him. Just historically about what happened. Historical straight talk. I'd love to get him as a guest on the show. He's a really just. Interesting guy. And well, you, you know, we should really talk about that a little bit here because prior to this, let's just talk about a couple of artists that were signed, and then we'll, we could discuss them mm-hmm. in detail after. Mm-hmm. But as a favor to Mal Evans, they signed the Ivies. He was good friends with them. He saw them at that point. They were the Ivies. Later became Badfinger, and then Peter Asher comes in with none other than good old American James Taylor, and we definitely will talk about him after. And James Taylor was a self-contained artist, which was kind of cool there. That's true, too. But, but you know, unfortunately, with all due respect to Peter Asher, a very, very talented and musical man. Oh, absolutely. You take a self-contained artist and then proceed to make an album that you you can't reproduce live. Well, true. You know. Which is why James actually redid it. it Well, you can always avoid the strings, too. Yeah, but you know what I mean. I mean, you know... This was a time when late 60s where artists were doing albums and the whole goal was we went, we recorded but, an album, then you go and perform all right, it we'll, live. We'll get to that. But anyway. The end of August, Apple puts out what they call their first four. And what's the biggest one of the first four? Hey Jude. Then they put out Sour Milk Sea by Jackie Lomax. All the same day, Thingamabob by the Black Dyke Mills Band, mm-hmm. which was a fun song. Oh, I like that song. Yeah, me I too. too. And Those Were the Days by Mary Hopkins. All right. Wow. Now, the same day, and I never, ever thought about this until I watched this documentary, but it's so true. One label puts out four singles, 
One is the Beatles. It's definitely going to be played. Yeah. One is Those Were the Days, which became a hit worldwide, mm-hmm. just about outselling the Beatles, but not because it's the Beatles. Now, but in hindsight, I have to wonder, though, they said that, and I do get it. And yep. we'll get, finish where you're going. Though. Okay. I something I wanted to ask. Because Sour Milk Sea then comes out with Thingamabob. So the first four, right? So two songs are a hit automatically, right? Now, back in the 60s with Paola was going on, definitely. All the other labels probably said, hey, you're playing four Apple label songs or you're going to play four Apple? What about us? So they had to pick the two that were hits. You had to pick the Beatles and you had to pick the hit. Now, Sour Milk Sea and Thingamabob was not going to get played. I'm sorry. It's a Black Dyke Mills. I'm, I, I like the idea of it. It's, it's but you know diverse. something? The 1968 was such a weird pop year. It could You're have, right. And was that Winchester Cathedral that year? That was 69, but it was early 69, so right. it would have been right But you know what? And cusp. I forgot to mention, and I, I'm sorry, but I really wanted to mention this at the top of the show. For all of its faults, and I started to say it, and we just got sidetracked, Apple... For all the hits they had, they did, for their credit, they gave us people like Sir John Tavener with classical music. They gave us... Uh, it wasn't Sir then. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. But they also gave us things like the Black Dyke Mills Band. They gave us world music with the Radha Krishna Temple. The right. first time world music was really was given, to the, given out. And it was a yeah. big deal. Whether the Beatles meant it or not, they don't, I don't think they purposely said, here's world music. I just said, they, George was talking about, I love this, and it's a great, you know, Govinda and, and the chant. But you know what? To their credit, in hindsight, they were a, a label that was really innovative, diverse. diverse. In a, in yeah. Well, the, the thing about the first four is the other two songs, first of all, written by Paul Thingamabob, Sour Milk Sea by George. Uh, then you have Lennon McCartney, and then... Um, those were the days. Was a Russian song arranged and produced by Paul. So it's all Beatles there anyway. Could if they maybe waited for Sour Milk Sea? Maybe. Well, you know what you do. And again, hindsight is always twenty twenty. Yep. Imagine this: instead of the first four, the Beatles, a slice of the apple. You give them a quarter of the apple the first week in in the month. The second, another slice of the apple, and a quarter. Yeah. The second single two weeks later, da 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 another piece of the apple, da 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 da. The last bite. You do four th- over a course that. of two yeah. months. That's you that's know, marketing. And I would have and I would have had right. Hey Jude as the last song. No, you can't. Well, that well, you know, you're right. See, I would have too. Hey okay. Jude would have been that, and then finally, the last bite is the juiciest yeah. or something. No, but you, but you know what the problem with the, that is, and again, I don't mean to sound like I know more than you guys because I don't, but. If you do that and you start off with, let's say, Sour Milk Sea, mm-hmm. and it doesn't take off, your venture now looks like a failure before you get to that four-week period. But I, maybe they promote Sour Milk Sea better. Yeah, and I have maybe. to wonder because the curiosity still would have been there. I think in hindsight, I think they make Magical Mystery Tour out to be more, that they consider it more of a flop yeah, now than they really did then. I think oh, I know. if you had something come out on the Beatles' new label, I think enough stations would have gone, hey, this is out on the Beatles record label. Well, let's check this out. You know, this is a new song by our friends, the Beatles. <laughs> but yeah. think about it. Let's say I they mean, did Sour Milk Seed. Look, who's on Sour Milk Seed? Well, that's because, what I was going to say. It's the, I mean, it's the it's, best Beatle record they never made. That is. Yeah. You know, it's such we a should tell song. people who's on it. Yeah, uh, I, right I, now, it's it's George, right. Paul, Ringo, Nicky Hopkins, and Eric Clapton. Oh, and Jackie Lomax. Yeah. No no, <laughs> no, and there's no John on it. But right. again, he's right. with Yoko. I don't know. I mean, think about that. That was a great, great lineup. Yeah. I mean, and the song rocks. The song I, it rocks, does. but I, I do admit it, it, it's not as commercial as it could not, be. But, you know, here's my question, though. Sung well. 
they talk about, and even in the documentary, and are they basing it on the fact of the presence of Mary Hopkin on television? Is that why they're saying it? Because if you think about it, Those Were the Days was not a pre-made hit single in 1968. Nope. So to say automatically, well, of course they were going to jump on Hey Jude and the hit. But to me, it wasn't a hit until it came out. Yeah, I guess. So I don't, I, I think... Yeah, chicken or egg here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and with all due respect to Jackie Lomax, because I do think Sour Mosey is a rocker, but I think maybe it was the gamble of, and I, I would do respect to George, well, we have this song that was composed by George Harrison that's About, being done by yeah. this Jackie Lomax, mm-hmm. that the lyrics are a little obscure. We don't really quite know what it is, but... Jackie doesn't even know what it is. Jackie doesn't know what it is. And I do think Jackie's right, because from a perspective of what... FM radio was digging its teeth into here, it was literally just ahead of the curve. I think it might have fit in among stuff like Cream. I do too. I think its closest neighbor would be a Cream and Credency a little, maybe. No, I think no, Credency was too pop. Cream, cream. cream would be, would be about the closest, but it wasn't going to fit in with all the psych stuff. But did they, no, did they promote? I've never, I've never seen any promotion. Did they? Well, no, they did. Did people say, oh, look who's on this record? No, they never promoted it that way because, you know what? It was their label. They didn't want to say. Right, if you right, think about it, if the right. first four, if you would have said, and look what we did, and it's Beetle, 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 Beetle. Because that's what well, it was. First, I, yes, <laughs> but you don't want to do that. It would have looked you, like a lot of self-indulgence. Oh, absolutely. It would have been a little like masturbatory. Oh, uh, like, yeah. We're, it, we're all over this stuff. Right, we're all, and we're all over everything else that we yeah. pretty much are going to put out, except for when we're bored. When I found out that three-fourths of the Beatles, Nicky Hopkins, and Clapton are on Sour Milk Sea, and it didn't chart, I was always amazed because if, the song is really good, too. I always like the song. Though I happen to like the demo a little better than... It's a little dated now, the sound. Yes. But I always liked the song, and, and I just cannot believe that if you knew three quarters of the Beatles were on a song, that it wouldn't chart. No, but you, but they didn't promote they it didn't that promote way. It, just like George didn't promote all those years ago with a picture sleeve of him, Ringo, and Paul. Right. No, but everyone knew that. Paul, no, you didn't. No, you knew on all things uh, on all those years ago that Paul. And Linda and Ringo were on that. I'm not so sure. Oh, I yeah, no, it, it had no. gotten out. It, it, was, okay. it was way it out, way out. In yeah, the I mean, I think it was still in a way that Rob might have still been quote rumored. You know, I, just, I, I don't think it was rumored at the beginning and then it was confirmed. I just don't oh, okay. think they want to always put out other people's stuff and say, oh, by the way, this is good because and, the Beatles are. And on also, it. Rob, you've got to remember too that that's also when it comes to especially Clapton, it's contractual. Well, that's true. They probably couldn't mention. You're right. You know, and with all the issues with Stigwood at that time. That's true. And what a mess they were already getting into or Stigwood trying to get their hand on them. Last person you want to cross is Stigwood, Robert Stigwood, who had Clapton at that point. Right. You're right. I should correct myself in saying that those were the days actually knocked Hey Jude off the top of the UK charts. Yeah. So... So, so then, for a first outing, man, to be oh. to be hit fifty freaking percent, even if one, even right. if you drop the Beatles out of the equation, yeah, completely, because yeah. that's a given, and you say that Apple hit thirty three percent in their first shot out of the gate, as compared to any other labels, that's amazing, yeah, amazing. Yeah. The sad part for Mary Hopkin was is that you know that wasn't the music she was about, <laughs> not at all, and she's. You've been trying to live it down since, really. Well, the funny thing is, and we'll talk about it at the end of Apple, so to speak, was that when the Beatles were disinterested in Mary Hopkin, she finally made her best stuff, but no one cared. Right. 
And that was the problem. You know, when you get to Ocean Song and Tama Harbor, I mean, that stuff is is great. Mm. And no one ever heard it, or no one really heard it, because the Beatles were not involved. And let's go on to Mary a little bit. Her second, the follow-up to Those Were the Days, Goodbye, written by... Paul. Paul. Yeah. And sung well, but it's a... She was into the folky songwriting and folky singing, and she was a guitar player. And Paul's writing basically a Beatles song for her to sing. And it, it's well, a not great a Beatles, song. Well, a no. Beatles song uh, per se, but on. a Beatles song I in the... I think he the, wrote it for her. I think he did, but well, he Well, he did in, in an hour. But, but let's it, face it, it was, no, it, was, it was Blackbird. You know, it's it's that same. It's Blackbird. It's Mother Nature's Son. It's, it's in that, that period. Acoustic. It's yeah, yeah. It's that. But it's, but you know, for you know, years, I mean, dun, 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 you can't see the Beatles covering dun, dun, dun. goodbye. Let's no, uh, not the Beatles. But it sounds like John and Paul doing the harmonies. That part's true. I yeah, but whether but it's Paul by himself or not, right. but it's Beatley, so to speak. I'm I'm not kidding. Yeah, I mean, no, yeah, yeah. you're right. It's definitely no. Beatley. Oh, okay. much more than those were the days or or and, anything else. But it's else another you, one of those ones that George would have gone. What the hell is this goodbye? Yeah. We just right. did hello, goodbye. We just did hello, goodbye. <laughs> no, but think about it, though. No, you're right. I agree with it's you. It's a little Beatley. And again, the Beatles have something on it. Now, you go to the Ivies, who are compared to the Beatles all the time, mm-hmm. all right? And then they get a little crazy that they're not being publicized at all. And Ron Griffiths of the Ivies, uh, who... No, we've left out. What? The Ivies had, under you know Mal's encouragement, yep. had been signed to Apple. The single Maybe Tomorrow Maybe had tomorrow, come out. It did not do well in the, in the UK. UK. It did well in Europe and broke the top 100 here in the States. Yes. And then, go ahead, there was well, not a lot of attention paid. Not a lot of publicity. attention paid. And right. guess what happens? Ron Griffiths, the guitarist, did an interview in one of the magazines in the UK. And, and he says, you know, well, we're not really being spoon-fed by the Beatles. We're being given a lot of coffee. I love we, yeah. we're offered a lot of coffee and tea, but we're not really given much support. Right. So who line. reads the papers, as you would always think Paul would? Paul does. <laughs> and Paul reads the thing and says, hey, I haven't met these guys, but they're talking smack in the paper about us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Yo, yo, what's up with this? Well, you know, because smack meant something different yeah. then <laughs> to now. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, happiness is a warm gun, my friend. Uh. But anyway, so Paul says... You know what? I got a song for you guys. And he actually goes over to Ron Griffith's house where the th- four of them are, and he presents them with Come and Get It. Now, we've heard the demo. Yeah. And he says, do it this way. And it was funny. In the documentary, one of the guys comments that he's basically saying, look, if you want fame, come and get it. Here it is. It's going fast. It, it also. And it, it's kind of true. But, which is amazing because as soon as they talk about that, about the fact that that song lyrically is basically the invitation right. of, all right, okay, all right, Ivy, come on, here it is. But if you also know, it fits perfectly in the theme of in the film. In the movie, which it's, we should talk about, Magic exactly Christian, which right was about, about the mo- film Magic Right, Christian. and when you see the movie, it, it's yeah. played over a scene where people are jumping into a pool of manure to get money. To get money. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. if, you have, if you've never seen that movie, don't see it. <laughs> oh, I think you should. I think it's very Well, you should funny. see it just... If you want to go see that, go, you know what? Go see it on a triple bill with that Magical Mystery Tour and give my regards to Bruce no, Street. I, and I think oh you'll, no, you're I, really not no. going to be awake. <laughs> I sit in protest there. I like Magic I'm glad Christian. You, I thought Terry Southern, I think it's a great story. It is a fun story. I think it's story, a very funny story. It's just it's, different. It's, it's, it's avant-garde. Dated, but it's, it's avant-garde. It's, and it's very dated. It, it's very dated, yes, yes, I agree. But it did star Beatle, so I know a lot of you would go I, see it just for that. Even without it. Even without that. I know, I know. But Ringo is in it. and. 
I forgot that Paul was asked the to write the, the soundtrack book. to the movie, and he wrote one song and gave it to the Ivies, or yeah. uh, who then at that point got rid of Ron Griffiths. <laughs> what a freak show that was. He suggested was like, <laughs> Paul comes to the house and gives it to them, and then they change personnel oh, hey, and runs Ron, out. Thanks so <laughs> much well, for writing that. Well, the thanks funny a thing, lot, the and then th- see ya. The funny <laughs> thing about Come and Get It for me is, is that Paul goes to Badfinger now and says, record it the way I have it Exact. Here. It'll be a hit. And I'm thinking back to 1962 when a certain producer said, well, why don't you record this song? How do you do it? It's going to be a hit. And the Beatles said, well, we don't really want to do this song, but we'll do it anyway. And I'm thinking seven years later, Paul is now the person in charge. That's a nice perspective. And he's saying, just do it. And he was right, and George Martin was right. They both were right about this is going to be a hit. Yeah. Right. That's pretty well. Yeah, that's I hadn't yeah, thought about yeah, that. Yeah. You think about that, and I, you know, I wonder if Paul ever caught himself saying, oh, I'm, I'm turning into George Martin. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm turning into you, my father. You, yeah, you, you say I'm turning into I'm my, turning father. Into my father. father. I sounded just like my mother. Oh, my God. I just quoted my, my mother God. from 25 years ago. Oh, yeah. my God. Did you clean your room? That's really funny. I, <laughs> no, why? Wow. Because I said so. Right, exactly. And, and my kids even to this day say, that's not a reason. That's very funny. But anyway, you know what? Wow. They, they were right, and... It became a huge hit for them. They changed their name to Badfinger. They got Joey Molland on guitar. Now, this is a big thing for Badfinger for later on in Apple because Joey Molland was a rock and roll guitarist. And Badfinger was I do in, agree. They, they, yeah, uh, what The Ivies were in suits. Yeah, they, they like the Beatles. They were doing light. Maybe Tomorrow is a great song. It is a great but song. But it's very light beatle But I have to admit, I caught myself a few times during the documentary, which I thought was great, was that a thought I had in my head came out from someone, one of the talking heads in the film. All I kept thinking was, Badfinger was so good, but they were very twee. And, and Joey Mullen says the word such and such. And well, you know, that's also a very twee. And yeah. I was like, that's about exactly what band. they were about, about the guys. And that about wraps it up for this week's episode of Fab Four Free For All. Join us next week for part two of our discussion of Apple Records and of Strange Fruit, the Apple Record story. We'll talk more about Badfinger and the other Apple artists, and we'll look at what happened to Apple as the Beatles themselves started to become undone, who did and didn't continue to participate in the company, and what unique records the company had to offer, despite the fact that the people who were leading the show were starting to come apart at the seams. That's right here next week on the Fab Four Free For All. Thanks for listening. Fab Four Free For All was edited and produced by Tony Chiguardo at Word of Mouth Studios in Westbury, New York. The opening and closing theme is My Dolly by the band The Badge, featuring longtime listener Jeff Slate, available on its debut album Digital Retro and recent Best Of compilation, as well as from the Fab Four Free For All website. Thanks for listening to Fab Four Free For All. Oh, already we're branching out into solo projects. Uh, solo album. Oh, here we go. Just Gene Simmons. <laughs> I'll be Peter Chris, the drummer. Oh my god. You just gave me a flashback. <laughs> I cannot believe. Oh my god. Out of everything. I was this gonna do really, back in the New York group. This is really scary that the three of us Oh my god, know people. the solo albums well enough. Well, that's only what I know. Because when I when I Oh my god, oh my it's hard. I remember the, the four, the four came out, and Back of the New York Groove was the only song I that cared was about. It was, it was a great huge single. And uh, but I remember 
reading that Gene had covered One You Wish Upon a Star. I'm like, I gotta what? tell you, though, Peter Chris's is not bad. Peter Chris's is a good record. He just doesn't. He's not a great singer. No, it's just a, like on Beth, though. But he emotes well. Sweet record. Well. He emotes well. well 